This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, and if this is your first Geekscape episode, I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to sit here and we're going to talk pop culture, movies, video games, comics, TV. It's the road to Comic-Con. We'll be at Comic-Con in about a month and a half, two months. When is it? July 16th is, I think, preview night. We'll be there with the Geekscape booth, and everything there is basically the topic of this podcast if you're new to Geekscape. If you're not new to Geekscape, I'm so glad you're back. Thank you for joining us. You know what to expect. I sit down every week with a new guest and we talk through the latest pop culture. Usually we talk about their storytelling. We talk about why they tell stories, what form they tell stories in. They could be actors, they could be directors, they could be writers, they could be musicians, uh, artists, I don't, whatever. I just like talking to storytellers. My obsession is what led me to this podcast. I've had a fun week. I hope you enjoyed our last episode with Eric Francisco. Oh my God, they grow up so fast. Little Eric Francisco who now writes for Inverse in New York City. I remember when we gave him his first web writing job, and now he's editor of something or another (laughs) over at Inverse, and he's doing so well, and I'm super happy uh, to have him back on the show and to to have uh, done that episode with him and to have seen him and to have introduced him to Vietnamese food. I hate to put you on blast, but the fact that you've never had Vietnamese food Damn, son. So I'm going to come to New York. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to New York next month. And we're going for more. And I will introduce you to Asian culture. (laughs) That's so fucked up that I'm saying that about Eric. Eric's great. Eric's fantastic. Love you, Eric. And I just put you on blast like you're my kid brother. Um, Like semi-racist blast, so I'm sorry about that. Welcome to Geekscape. Sometimes we're not completely PC and uh, we can say edgy stuff. I'm sitting here with my friend Diallo Jackson. Diallo has a brand new comic book out. He introduced it actually to me last Comic-Con, but it's on digital. He wants all of you guys to read it, and gals. Um, and let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can make a little movement and maybe move the needle for Diallo over there on, I don't know, if you download it on Amazon, if you guys have like, maybe it'll read on a Kindle. Maybe you guys still have iPads. I was thinking the other day, are iPads still a thing? I mean, they, they must be, right? Like when we check out of restaurants and we sign for something? like I don't see iPads. I don't see iPads. I see people with laptops. Sure. But, and I see absolutely people with their phones. Got it. But that in-betweener, the iPad, which I remember buying an iPad because I was writing digital comics. And I was like, this is the best way to read a digital comic book is on the iPad. This is what it feels inherent to. And now I look up several years later and I, I don't see a lot of iPads. So we're going to discuss stuff like that with our good friend Diallo Jackson, who last time you may have heard his sultry tones on this feed was when he was uh, a member of a, our panel for Kaiju vs. Giant Robots at this last year's uh, LA Comic Con. Topically enough, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, just came out this past weekend and we went to see it. So 
We're going to talk about that stuff. Let's strap in. Let's do some Geekscape. And I uh, hope you're having a great, great day. Okay, Diallo. How you doing? I'm good. I'm <laughs> sitting here in your living room. Uh, I love this. You're, there's geek stuff everywhere, guys. He's got a wall of uh, DC and some Star Wars and uh, some Macross stuff going on over yeah. there. Look at my stuff, isn't uh -huh. it neat? You got some good <laughs> geek stuff, man. You, you've got you've got the the video gaming and the TV over here. There's some fitness equipment. Uh, good geeks are healthy geeks. All right, take care of yeah, your take shape. care of your stuff. Yeah, and um, it's my Shazam collection over your there. Shazam collection is very impressive. Uh, and then, of course, you've got um, your you cycle. You love cycling, man. Um, I don't necessarily love cycling. I just do a lot of it. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's what I tell people about running. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm impressed, man. You are a you are you can be you're an Iron Man. Yeah, I am an Iron Man. You qualify as an Iron Man. You've done an Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, I am. I, the water man, that swimming portion is what keeps me from doing it. Welcome no. to Jockscape. But yeah, no. the swimming I, portion of the Iron Man is what freaks me out. Yeah, I, mean, I told I told you it's it's not it's actually the everyone is uh, scared of that part that hasn't really done it, but it's actually the least of your worries <laughs> for the day. <laughs> you have a lot more to worry about besides the swim. Well the cycling I feel like Unless it has like some ridiculous climb in the course, then yeah. like the cycling can be okay. And then running, I feel good about my running. Yeah, but most of the races do have uh, significant climbs here and there. And like, uh, you're doing it for 56 miles for a half and for a full 112 compared to yeah. two miles of a swim. So, and then a uh, half marathon or a full marathon for the run on a Ironman or half. So that, that two you did miles. did the full 170? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's like the the full, the, that swim is nothing. It's two miles it's, out of your 170 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's 100, uh, yeah, 140. But 140, yeah, it's like, yeah, so yeah just, it's a 70.1 and 140. Yeah, yeah so it. you just, you know, like I, that's like the least of your worries. It's like a warm-up. By the time you get out of the water, you're just like, okay, now I'm ready to go. Now I'm awake. I think the least of my worries in doing an Ironman in the swim portion is... The least of my worries is how hot the person is who's going to give me mouth to mouth after I do on the stroke. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that that's my that might be my biggest worry is well, when I inevitably almost drown in yeah. that portion. Yeah, is the person who's going to be resuscitating me attractive enough? I mean, probably they're probably going to gonna be they're probably going to be super fit. Okay. Uh, you know, all right. Uh, to all those hot dudes out there, yeah, who are ready, like, exactly. playing lifeguard, yeah. I'll make sure to wear a very colorful, uh, you know, cap so that you can see me. Maybe we can work on that for our, for our, the next uh, feature. We could uh, <laughs> wake up, wake up by a hot uh, lifeguard dude, and yeah. then <laughs> it's a romantic comedy. Hello, Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs> but he's Ted Bundy. Yeah, <laughs> he's Ted Bundy from his Netflix oh, movie. I like it. I like it already. Oh, it's going places. <laughs> you know, let's write this down. Yeah. I love um, it. So, Diallo, talk to me because. We met as instructors, I believe. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Damn, that was a long time ago. That was a long that was a long time ago. Did you was. you forgot that and I forgot that. I yeah, I did actually. Yeah. I was thinking about the origins of our relationship and I think it was because yeah. we, we both taught You're, taught for the same Yeah, for the institution. same institution. Yeah, and then I I think I had left by that point, but it wasn't that long. And then um, I came back for to, to it was like a film uh, student film. Uh, assessment. Sure. And then um, there was, a, I actually do actually remember it. So there, this one student had done this uh, time travel um, short film. And, and they shot the short or it was, they sh or it yeah, was they, like they're pitching it? Because we also did pitch me. No, pitch they, they shot Remember it. the pitch nights? I never, I never did a pitch okay. night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But they had, they had all pitch. done. It was like a film class and they had all done one. And I think, um, I, forget, I, forget, I actually forget whose class it was. But, but we're um, sitting and giving. Yeah, we were. We critiques. were both giving critiques, I and remember I remember. I actually remember this now. Now that you bring it up, <laughs> I don't remember because any this, of this. This is why I remember because there was a time travel movie, and like, <laughs> like, I didn't know you at the time, but like, I'm in there, and I'm like, they were asking me, like, and I'm starting to give like these like really in depth pointed <laughs> critiques on it. It was based on like the geek stuff, and I remember you looked at me and you were like, "I see you." I know what you are. Yeah, I know what you are, and you you gave me that like I know double you. finger, like you're, you're one of us. <laughs> and then yeah, you and then speak we speak our language. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel better. I thought for a second you were gonna say 
I was giving him this really in-depth critique based on film knowledge and film language and some geek elements. And when they got to you, you just said, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no. Oh no, he's going to put me on blast. No, I actually a... think it was one of the better ones. Yeah, but it was... It was uh, <laughs> that it does was... not disqualify it from yeah, being a No, piece that is true. That is true. <laughs> but yeah, I, re- I do remember that was, uh, that was um, I think, the first time that we met. And Hi, then, I'm yeah, Jonathan. Want to be friends? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I probably beelined it for you. Yeah. I was like, hi, how you doing? I, yeah. You speak the same language I do. Let's yeah. talk. And then, yeah, then the rest <laughs> of they say is history. <laughs> and I know, dude, you've been writing, you've been doing stuff. Uh, talk a little bit about, like, why you put you started putting comic books together. Because as somebody who makes, who's made comics in the past, mm-hmm. they're laboriously restrictive. And, uh-huh. like, you know, I get it. Creatively, you don't have a budget a ceiling you can do whatever you want and like anything that you can imagine can end up on the page with your artists and you want a giant set piece that would be completely you know hard to do or too expensive on the screen uh, or with real people you got it you know so okay. creatively I get the appeal of comics I totally have gone down that road I find the writing a bit isolating mm-hmm. and I find the Again, the writing of it laborious, and it feels like you're shot listing storyboarding while you're writing, and mm-hmm. it's hard to get into a rhythm. And I think rhythms are things that you're constantly hunting for as writers. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I it comes from lots of different um, aspects of it. So, the primarily what it is like, I just I grew up loving comic books, so there's just a passion there for me with that particular medium. Um, I also uh, like to, there's an immediacy of uh, comic books, like it's, you can, you can make, you can write a screenplay, but who knows if you ever be able to see that visualized. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I do, I, I write a lot of uh, fiction, but that sort of sits in the level of, of just being on the page as words. You're writing as prose. Yeah, as prose. Yeah. yeah. So so when you have, when you actually have a comic book, you sort of have a little bit more immediacy to it. So mm-hmm. you, I can I can write it and then actually get to see a visual representation of it um, more likely than I would those other two two forms until I become a great um, high paid screenwriter and then <laughs> and then my you know then all my all my scripts are made into feature films. Well, I mean, you you've cut your workout, uh, you you've cut some workout for yourself with this one, Angela in the Dark, because um, it takes place in like a Blade Runner type future, yeah, a little over a hundred years from now, yeah. and I guess corporations have privatized their security under police forces, yeah. and they're warring in future cities, and. Geekscape is if you're fans of things like Judge Dredd or uh, like the aforementioned Blade Runner or any of those uh, future kind of Philip K. Dick uh, steampunk kind of uh, futures. Not not steampunk. I didn't mean steampunk. I meant um, cyber. Cyberpunk. Yeah. Cyberpunk. No, it's not do you, steampunk. Do at you all. cyber? Do you cyber, bro? <laughs> um, if you do any, of, if you're into the, any of that stuff, and I know a lot of you Geekscapists are, uh, the book is called Angel in the Dark. I'm guessing it's available worldwide on the Amazon services. Yeah, it's uh, worldwide on Amazon, uh, Kindle. Especially if you have um, uh, a Prime membership, you can get it on the uh, Kindle Unlimited. So it's, it's free. free. It's free in your library. Oh, so if you have Amazon Prime, Keyscape is. You, yeah. you should be down. Like, click over and download it yeah, right now click, before this podcast it. is over. Yeah, and then and we're re- we're really looking for like ratings and reviews right now, so that. People can uh, more people will be able to find it, mm-hmm. and then because um, I really have like you know what the whole you know it's funny because like you you describe the the world and um, the part of it is that we really wanted to set up this dark world that has a lot of those familiar elements that you talked about um, Blade Runner, um, Judge Dredd, that mega city mm-hmm. Akira. Um, but then the the other side of it, that's the dark side, but then the other side of it is the Angela side. And Angela basically is like, just imagine that whole world, like take uh, Blade Runner, and imagine all of a sudden you pop Pippi Longstocking right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what the book is. 
Okay. So, so um, we have, there's uh, intrigue, action, adventure, and our story arc, but then we have this one disruptive person that's not playing along that's just there to have fun, kind of. Well, the, the issue that's up right now is your volume zero. Yeah, volume zero. And volume zero doesn't have a whole lot of Angela in it. No. So it, it's actually quite a bit of a twist you get to at the end of the, uh, the, the issue. Spoilers, Geekscapers. <laughs> um, but it's in the title, yeah. and you end up following a bit of a, a future cop uh, through some of it, and they end up running afoul of this this gang, almost this group of of, of hackers or saboteurs uh, known as the Dark, yeah, and, they're, and they're all cyber women. Yeah, that are running around in like ninja cyber suits. Yeah, like I, we like to call them like techno thieves. Techno yeah, thieves. Techno techno thieves. thieves. Yeah, yeah, ninja techno thief ninja types. And they're the Dark, and you don't really meet Angela until the very end, and yeah. she feels like you said she does not belong to this world. Yeah. So, um, where is the process of take going from zero? Because obviously the criticism can be like, hey, why didn't you put her in that first mm-hmm. initial offering? Yeah. Why is this not issue number one? And mm-hmm. why isn't the Angela of the title this disruptive thing that makes the concept the most unique? Yeah. Why isn't that the thing that you, you lead off with? Um, so, uh, in the next issue, um, the, the main story takes place the main like when we think of like a traditional story arc or narrative takes place with the dark Mm -hmm. so all of the you know the plot the the MacGuffins that that kind of stuff that's what they're kind of in control of so we're going to be following them and they kind of it's the framework for everything but then Angela is having her own side adventures with two of her friends and they kind of crisscross in and out and the story is kind of parallel sometimes sometimes they're together um, and so I really needed to set up, and also I really needed to set up this idea of this world being dark before you got to the other part with Angela, because the whole concept, and we even say it like in like in production, the artist Russell, like uh, we we talk about it, and Angela is the light. So mm-hmm. like the whole world is dark, and she's just like that one bright light, like nothing phases her like she right yeah it's just she just like almost like things could be happening around her and she's just laughing you know so she's just um but we really needed to set up the the dark part first before we got to that where'd you get this idea because i think a ton of people have just gone all in on the cyberpunk thing Uh and they want to tell another philip k dick's type story Uh and i think that's obviously a popular genre um having a disruptive element and one that you could argue this character is almost naive or mm-hmm. you know i mean i get John, i get something like this if in obviously like something like here the prophecy we've done it mm-hmm. is a man out of this world like fish out of water type story where they came from another world and they plopped themselves into this world that is not theirs yeah she is of this world mm-hmm. and how did she get to age 10 11 12 without any of this affecting her mm-hmm. that's I'm just throwing shit at you, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. We're, talk- we're writers talking we're about get, it. We're going to get in there. We're right? Into it. We're yeah. getting into it, yeah. right? Like, how do you justify a character being age 12, completely innocent, in a world where the innocence has long been gone? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of it has to do with her background and story arc that you will get into um, down the road. So there's okay. some reveals and some secrets and stuff. So um, I'll keep a little bit of that sure. undercover. But... I can talk a little. I can talk a lot about like the theme and what kind of motivated a lot of it. Sure, um, but you still get stuck on that bit where it's like, okay, short of a trans-dimensional fold in which they end up out of time, out of dimension, in this new place, out of genre, uh-huh. right? You get something like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah, and you've got people in different genres, Pokemon, Detective Pikachu, that uh-huh. kind of thing, where uh-huh. it's like, okay, these. There's an alien aspect to the new world that they're in. Right. It's a world she existed in. Yeah. So talk, I mean, the theme and then... Yeah, so like, the, well, the, the theme part is just, a lot of it has to do with my journey as a writer mm-hmm. um, and, and figuring out where I want to land and where my passion is. So, you know, I you know, uh, went to grad school, creative writing, um, wrote a few novels, uh, did a couple screenplays. You know, you do the you do the Hollywood thing. You kind of go around. You pitch a little bit, um, and 
I, what I was finding was that I wasn't really writing for where my heart lied. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had come up with a concept um, called Ears. Um, feels like forever ago now. And that was probably the most fun I've ever had writing. It was like it was specifically geared towards like you know like a Pixar um, kind of crowd, um, all ages, but definitely for kids. Uh, so you know, I moved on and written some other stuff, and then I was just really thinking about like what is it that I actually want to do as a writer. Um, and I like went back to ears, and I was like, and I really love comic books, and that's what made me. Uh, kind of veer most of my energy towards writing comic books. And then the, the part about the um, uh, writing for kids is that there's, a, there's, a, there's sort of like an innocence and an energy that you can uh, funnel, your, uh, you funnel your passion into. Um, and when you do that, it frees you up from <laughs> dealing with the critical mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think kids had lower standards. No, it's not. It's yeah. not about standards. Okay. Um, but that it's that there's this layer of being critical that kids don't have at the same at the same amount that like adults have. They accept stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They they're not get, jaded. Yeah. They're not. And they and they may not have seen this stuff before. Yeah. You know like I mean? some of like, it's they haven't seen it. They you know because they like, want to go along for a ride. Yeah. And that's exactly what you said is exactly. So I when I wrote when I wrote ears, I literally was like, this is a roller coaster. Yeah. And I'm just like, you're going for a ride. You don't have time to like think about this or that or it's why so this important. or why that. It's just like we're we're get on strap in. We're going. Think about all the movies that don't make sense. Yeah. The movies that we love. Yeah. That have just been. You're going along for a ride. Think about the fact that, like, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when Indiana Jones realizes that the Nazis are digging in the wrong place, yeah, he can just go home. Uh huh. <laughs> he the, gets happy. He never <laughs> gets the Ark. Yeah. The, the Nazis will never find the Ark because they are they don't have the pieces of it. The staff isn't the right height. Like they don't have the staff. They don't. Have, they don't have the other half of the meta. They're digging in the wrong place. Right. They will never find it. Yeah. Done. Okay. I'm going home. Yeah. You know, that opening rescue in Return of the Jedi in Jabba's Palace, what was that plan? Yeah. That plan is trash. Yeah, it's trash. I never, <laughs> re, never really kind of understand. You would have had to like... There's no Ocean Eleven, Ocean's Eleven yeah. to any of it. Like Lando would have had to have been like realistically planted there for like at least a year. Why? Before, just because it doesn't make sense for him yeah. just to show up. And so he shows up, let's say he shows up a week earlier. Yeah. There's scoundrels and he's put himself off as one of the scoundrels. Right. There. You know. Okay, well Boba Fett's hanging out. Not that they didn't just see each other in Cloud City, but don't worry about it. That was, uh, I think... To a year earlier in the narrative of the Star Wars universe, but then Luke has his own rescue plan. Yeah. So Lando may have a rescue plan. Leia has her own rescue plan. Right. Luke has his own rescue plan. It was just chaos. No one's fucking coordinating any of the rescue plans yeah. together. Maybe Lando is feeding information to one of the other two, but yeah. like, in case, hey, sis, in case you don't work out, yeah. I'll come in later. Right? Yeah, and it offer up the droids. And he puts the he puts the lightsaber in uh, R two, and like he would have had he to have known. He put the lightsaber in R two, like way earlier. Yeah, way earlier, and he would have had to known at some point he was gonna like need it to fly out, and which I guess wasn't in the throne room. Yeah, <laughs> or wasn't yeah. In like if, if it had a, if it had a went down at the beginning when he first showed up. It would have hit the ceiling. I don't. I mean, I don't the, know. The second he in that <laughs> rancor pit, I would have been like, "R two, I'll take my yeah. fucking lightsaber now." Yeah. <laughs> Can I have my lightsaber? <laughs> I'm gonna dice up this rancor, yeah. and then I'm gonna climb out of here and dice the rest of you guys up. Right. So, R two has the lightsaber the entire fucking time. Yeah. The entire time. <laughs> and we're just watching. He's it holding like, out. R <laughs> two's like, "You want your lightsaber? No, we're good. <laughs> Let me get fucking eat. Let me fight this thing with a bone." <laughs> With a bone. <laughs> Luke Skywalker would rather fight the Raincore with a bone, with a bone. than the freaky lightsaber that R2's been sitting on with it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And exact it is exactly like why we love those movies. Because you don't like we like 
<laughs> there's there's something that we've lost, and I've actually I did a I, I wrote a blog post I think a few weeks ago about that. Like in, in defense of where can we read these? Um, I so I, I periodically post them on my website okay. adlojackson.com. Adl yeah adlojackson.com. Yeah, and um, yeah, like I, I, the the title of this the last piece I wrote was uh, in defense of uh, watching bad films, and I really just get kind of get into this whole thing about how. You know, we just, there's something like when we get older, we ha- we're more critical. We've seen a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we have this like, you know, you better entertain me this time. You uh, know? <laughs> dance, monkey. Yeah, dance, Impress dance. Me. Exactly. Impress me. Yeah. And so I've been, anyways, so the last five years or so, I've been like kind of aware of that, cognizant of that. And I, I want to get back to, closer to that part of me that was like more open to just watching stuff and right. so anyway so like with Angela like she like is the embodiment of that so like literally like when we talk about it like like this whole world's dark and she just is she's just fun and mm-hmm. that's just what she is and then we came up with the story around that to explain that we'll like again that they, it, a lot of it it has to do with the story arc and what they're doing so I don't want to give give away all sure, of that stuff sure, yet sure. But um, but def- it definitely is just like that's that's where my passion lies right now. I'm working on a fantasy novel, um, same deal. I'm just like I want to I want to lower it from that level of um, super intricate. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Like you know everybody's losing their minds with Game of Thrones last <laughs> the last oh, few the weeks. last season. You know. And the last season hurt. And yeah, but and the, and I like a lot. Of the the criticisms are all valid, um, but I'm I'm sort of like shooting for an audience that uh, isn't that's more invested in having fun than they are in things like making sense. And it's not They're that I it yeah, it's not that I'm not going to make it make sense. Right. But I'm really there to have fun to entertain. Are you not entertained? And the it's so. Endgame. Yes. Is a movie that I love. Yes. I love Avengers Endgame. Yeah. But but Cap's plan at the end is trash. At the very... You mean to go back? He has to time? return the stones. Yeah. One of which he has to return to the Red Skull. Yeah. He has to give the Soul Stone to the Red Skull after yeah. spending an entire movie keeping a stone from him. Right. So but he wasn't... The, he he wasn't... Well, you, you would argue he's not the Red Skull anymore. Well, no, I was about to say, I don't remember, and I could be wrong, but I don't, like, Cap wouldn't have been aware that that was the Red Skull. Would he not have been, oh, so Clint didn't tell him, Well, the hey, Clint, man, Clint doesn't know who the Red Skull is, is either. I guess, I guess you can argue that, but I just want to see that scene where Cap shows up on Volmir to return the Soul Stone. Yeah. And the Red Skull's like, I'll take that Soul Stone and put it <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah, I actually think that that is like an opening for Black Widow coming back. I think, well, I, I, I think the Black Widow movie is going to be a prequel. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. And I, one of the, the first thing I said when... And guys, we just spoiled a shit to <laughs> when, Endgame, but this is Geekscape, and I'm pretty sure you've seen you, it. You now. haven't seen it now. If you haven't seen it, you. you don't need to be subscribed to this when she, when she did, When she, she did die, and somebody asked me, like, what did I think about the movie? I said, my first thought was... The patriarchy will go through. No, they will not stop until they do not make a Black Widow movie. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> See, guys, it makes narrative sense we don't make this film. But they've already started shooting. Yeah, so they've already started shooting. Um, I think it's, a, I think it, it's an origin. It probably, will, it probably will be, but I do think that that is an opening. They need to bring back the perm from Iron Man 2. <laughs> um, my main problem yeah. is that he goes back to spend a lifetime with Peggy Carter. Okay. And in that lifetime, there is another Steve Rogers frozen uh-huh. in the ice. Okay. Does he even wake his ass up? I mean, I... Couldn't he just walk over and be like, I know where he is. But what, like, I why... Know where, I know where I crash landed. But why would he? Because it would cock block him? Because it's the right thing to do, and he's Captain America. Well, if he already there knows... There is another Captain America in that timeline that he went back to be with, with Peggy. Yeah. And he's just leaving his ass, <laughs> and eventually, while he's still alive in 2009, 10, uh-huh. they're going to find that cap and yeah. be like, wait a minute, there's a cap here, but then there's the older cap here. Wait, why didn't you tell us about JFK? Why didn't you tell us about 9 <laughs> 11? Why didn't you warn us? When, did he even go back and save Bucky from becoming the Winter Soldier? Yeah. So, did the cap that went back to bang Peggy? 
did he save Bucky from becoming the Winter Soldier? Well, see, we don't, and that's the, you know, it's actually funny. We don't know that he didn't. We don't know that, well, we don't know, we don't know anything. Well, Bucky says, All we know, Bucky says I'm going to miss you. He knows he's going to go back. Yeah. And, like, he knows he's not coming back in five seconds. He knows he, Cap's going to go spend a lifetime with Peggy. Right. But where's that timeline? How did he end up back in our timeline as an old man? All we know is that he. he the watch? All we know that he is he he danced. That's all I know. All we know is he danced. <laughs> That's all I know is he danced. My guess is and when Sam is like, "You want to tell me about her?" He's like, "No, I do not." Because if I did, the horrors that I have accepted <laughs> and not changed, you would think less of me. And by yeah. the way, here's your shield. He's like, "That's not my shield." He's like, "Well, it ain't mine because I took it off the dead Captain America. I had to feed the polar bears. <laughs> I chopped the other Captain America up, fed him to polar bears, so no he's, one would ever discover dead. my ruse." Yeah. And here's his shield. Here's a dead Captain America from another timeline shield. What's up? Wow, that, that got Take dark. It. That got really dark. That was yep. darker than the end game. I don't understand it. I just don't understand Cap's motivation. He's no longer my Cap. He's like, I'm gonna go back and just dance. So it's funny because. I talk. I actually have talked about that a little bit with some people, and it's when you're when you're doing the conclusion to a story that's been around for a long time. I call it goodbye energy. So when you're, yeah, you're trying to get out, yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. yeah. No, but it's just basically, it's like, yeah, you're just, it's like, it's not going to be as literal mm-hmm. as the rest of the story, and. Um, and you just, I think you have to accept that a little bit. Because you're like, okay, Nick Fury, after summoning Captain Marvel, had nothing to say to her, didn't even talk to her? I don't want to talk about Captain Marvel and <laughs> Nick Fury, because I still know I'll get in trouble. Cause you're sexist, man. I am very sexist. You're sexist. I don't, you didn't like yeah, that movie? I didn't. You're sexist. Yeah, exactly. And if you thought I, Black Panther was just Thor 1 again, then, you're racist. Then you're a racist. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, so. But, yeah, Black Panther I, was Thor. I keep, I keep, I keep my Captain Marvel. You can't Captain do that. You're racist and sexist. Um... As a black man, can you be racist no thinking Black Panther was boring? Uh, or, just Thor, actually, or just Thor? I actually one? have a good friend that he did he did not like it. I don't, you the, know, a, a I black don't, friend. Yeah, a black friend. He did not. Um, Is that acceptable? He like you know we. I don't want to out him. No. Um, but I no. He actually had he had some valid criticisms. I I I. It's sort of like he. But every criticism he had, and some other people have. I just go, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a bit that's, of Thor 1. That's yeah. what it was, yeah. but they just did it better. <laughs> they, yeah, it was a, you think they did it better than I Thor 1? I was like, 1? they just did yeah. better. That's, uh, I mean, I, I actually love the ending of Thor 1 because he's like, he destroys the Rainbow Bridge uh-huh. to, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's tragic. And then Joss Whedon's like, he did what? No, <laughs> he just can ride the lightning down to her. Right, right, right. And I was like, wait a minute, you just got rid of like a very important, yeah, very important part of the It was a really important yeah. beat. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of the gloss overs. I think, and, and, I, and, and to be fair, Endgame, that ending that we're talking about with the time travel, does create some problems and uh, and some weird timelines and things like that. Perfect for the arrival of King the Conqueror. Yeah. Oh, that's I, I hadn't even thought about King, which is odd because all I've been doing lately is playing Lego. Marvel superheroes oh, really? too. Is he awesome? And he's yeah. And I was just like King. It's all about King. I Is don't even know why. Time traveling and everything. Uh, well, he like brings a whole bunch of different time uh, cities to one world. Okay. Yeah. And so there's like the noir New York and Manhattan and all you know all that like Cree world. It's all in this one place. I think so. King would be a perfect event. Yeah, it would be a perfect event. Yeah. Of the fact that they were effing around with time. Yeah. It may have awoken this person who is a time conqueror. That is good. And Kang is, that's what he does. Yeah. He, goes, he travels through time, and he, and if you beat him, he's just going to go earlier, and I he's like going to F you up. Because everybody's been saying, everybody's been saying, oh, the next one should be Secret Wars. And I'm like, have you, have you ever, did you actually read Secret yeah. Wars? I, yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't very good. The, <laughs> the, two things, the two things that came out of that were good was uh, the Beyonder with his disco suit and in mullet. The, in the symbiote. Yeah, yeah. And the symbiote costume, the that's symbiote it. Costume, and there was like that, that one sequence with Hulk picking up the mountain, which looked cool, but sure. like, 
That that was about it. I actually would argue that that first Secret Wars is a really good Doctor Doom story. Yeah, oh yeah, that's the, the really Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom story. Too, yeah. Um, I would anticipate that Phase Five is the Eternals and Shang Chi mm-hmm. and the sequels to some of our favorites, like Doctor Strange and another Spider Man movie, another Black yeah. Panther movie. I think that we're, we're going to spend some time, and it will probably end with a third Guardians film, uh-huh. which I'm interested in because yeah. the Guardians have been shaken up a little. Right. Um, and I think Phase Six will be the integration of some of the Fox properties. Mm-hmm. Maybe the coming of a Silver Surfer, yeah, Silver in, Surfer, yeah. in Galactus. Yeah, but if we're going to start talking about the Avengers again, after the shenanigans <laughs> that went down <laughs> in Endgame, a movie that I love, yeah. I love Endgame. Yeah, those shenanigans. There needs to be a price to be paid. There's a price to be paid for yeah. for time shenanigans. Uh, and Kang is the man who will who will throw the bill down on your table. Yeah, and be like you woke me. And now I'm gonna fucking. I was asleep. Rule you. And you woke me up. You <laughs> messed with me. It's like you can't go into the negative zone without waking up a nihilist. Right. And you cannot mess with time without waking up Kang yeah. and having him come and try and conquer the planet. Yeah. So. Like I dig boom. it. I dig it. Um, but I, I do think like they like they definitely have earned our. What's the word I'm looking for? Like patience or something? Oh, the tapestry. Yeah, that like they, they like we just like a lot of people are poking holes. I'm like, eh, I mean, they they might be holes, but like at this point, we need to wait to see. Any amazing quilt or tapestry in the history, the freaking shroud of Turin <laughs> yeah. has like has holes has in holes it. in it. Yeah, that is kind of the great thing about like that's almost the beauty of these tapestries that are being built is. Yeah. This, these discussions like this, like, yeah. they're not going to be perfect. Like, yeah. like they're, show me this, show me a quilt that has gone long enough without seams splitting and without holes in them. Right. Like you can't make them. Like that's the beauty of the tapestry. That's the beauty of having all of these different creators trying to all jam together on the same work. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like, awesome. And what they did is like, I mean, historic. Mm-hmm. Like real. Like when you think about it, like. I, I can't think of a string of movies from a studio that went that long that were that good. Uh, like no, it you know, is the Boston Celtics. It is the 1960s Boston, the Boston Celtics, Celtics. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, of the Marvel of or the cinema. To, or to prove that I am not sexist and not misogynist, <laughs> is the, the UConn women's uh, basketball team. Yeah, like they like to be that good for that long, and it's like it's it's. Like such lightning in a bottle, and so a lot of it has to do with like the brilliant casting. Some of it just has to do with timing. Um, I mean, Kevin Feige's orchestration. Yeah, yeah. The, the architect of this. Yeah, is and it's incredible. great. And you see, like, and then you you know you see like DC like trying to do the same, they're just bumbling and. Oh, but I love Shazam so much. It was good. Oh, I saw <laughs> I saw it twice, and I loved. No, it. I actually I loved it. I really did like it. I. It's funny for me because as you see my my yeah. oh, Captain Marvel collection. I'm guessing over there. that your standards were a little. Yeah, I have a I have a very different take from I just went how they. I just went along for the ride. Yeah, yeah I mean that, but, <laughs> but that's actually the that's the thing. Like, so I watched it, and I had to be really aware of of like I had all of these things in my head about how I thought Captain Marvel, who he was, and and as I was watching it, though, I was like, yeah, look, it was fun. It just wasn't what I it wasn't what I would have done, but it ended up being fun. Well, they sh- they had to do what they did with Billy. Uh, what what do you mean? Well, Billy's a jerk. Yeah, and Billy wasn't always a jerk. Right, and that's a very recent yeah, yeah, John's yeah. change. Yes, yes. Billy would not have been selected by the wizard. Right. The wizard would not have selected Billy because yeah. he's running around messing with the cops and he's a he's a kid on the run. And he's not wholesome. He's not the chosen one. Mm-hmm. He simply was the one left. Right. 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 Like. And actually, I actually and, and, did and, and like so, that. And I, so he has a mischievous attitude to him that the chosen one would not have had. Yeah. Well, see, my it's actually funny. So my whole issue with Captain Marvel. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is that. This is kind Shazam. Of, Shazam. Yeah. Okay. Just to make yeah, sure that just to make not, sure. Yeah. We're not confusing it with the Marvel. Um, it's the take that's been done on the character since uh, I think about 1987 when it's like it was one of the first reboots after the first Crisis. Sure. In Infinite Earths is uh, they made Shazam a boy in a man's body. And previous to that, it wasn't really 
they never really depicted him that way. So it was just sort of like he was there. Like he was Captain, he was, he was Billy, says Shazam, and then he's just like this grown up dude. And they never really got into like. He's that. a boy in a man's body. Yeah. It was just like that was the man and that was Captain Marvel. So as grown up, so pre 1987. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel when, when Billy Batson as a kid says Shazam he becomes a guy who is also a bit of a grown up in personality mm-hmm. oh but he wasn't really he wasn't like he wasn't it wasn't like it was Billy talking it right, was, right. It, was, it, was, it, was it was a grown man it was just, he was Shazam and you can because like, he had the wisdom of Solomon yeah uh, he had the Right. And that was the that's the other thing about I don't necessarily like the depiction now is because the wisdom of Solomon like the if things you, that like, a kid would yeah, not have yeah he like he doesn't really display those as because they they're more focused the writers have always been more focused on showing this aspect of the kid and the man's body and but then he also has like the wisdom of Solomon so he doesn't he doesn't ever really access <laughs> that part um, but when he tells his um, sister, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he does dispense some advice throughout the movie. Yeah, no, he does. And, and but I, you know, it's, it's this movie actually was, was a turning point for me because I finally, finally have let it go. <laughs> and actually, as I actually was watching it, I was like, you know, they actually did do like they did do a good job. And I have to also acknowledge that this version is what people are really responding to. And I was it's really, fun. I was really glad that the character is actually um, being more well known. So I can't like, I can't like complain about that. And if it's if that's what people like and that's what works, then go with it. And ultimately, he does have wisdom to figure out the the secret of the eye and how to, you know, I don't want to spoil too much because it's gotten much less box office than Endgame. Mm-hmm. So maybe you've got geeks <laughs> haven't see. seen it, but um, <laughs> but there is a point where. He realizes how to defeat the bad guys. Yeah. And it takes wisdom to do it. And then, and I have to say, and I'm thinking, of, even thinking about it right now, when that one moment comes in the movie, you know what, the one I'm the talking about? The one that was spoiled for me on Instagram three days oh, beforehand. Oh, was it? Because, oh, was yes. it? I didn't know that. That's oh, sad. I'm so sad, because that yeah. was like, and I can imagine. Funko Pops have been released with, the, with that spoiler. Oh, really? Huh. A, a friend of mine was walking to the theater uh-huh. to see Shazam, and Funko Pops had released additional characters yeah and they spoiled the freaking ending before he even saw oh, that on the way to the sucks. theater he stops in yeah i was cause that for me that was like like imagine me being grumpy for most of the movie <laughs> trying yeah. like i was trying no i was really yeah. trying to like it but i was just like being you know i was being stubborn because it was like no he, he shouldn't why does he have a hoodie you know and um but that one moment I got goosebumps. You really? I had my just had I had that permagrin. So yeah, I was just like, oh, this is so good. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. And I and like that that moment won me over. And then I was in for the for the rest of it. And then the concept as they as they move forward. Well, let's talk about a movie that may have also won you over uh, this past weekend. <laughs> Godzilla: King of Monsters came yeah. out. Mike Doherty directed this one, uh, and it is as promised with all the trailers. All, you get. Godzilla, but you also get Mothra and Rodan and yeah. King Ghidorah, and you start to see what started in the first Godzilla. And I, you know, we didn't know. We kind of hinted that it would, that it would continue with Kong Skull yeah. Island, the movie I haven't seen yet. Okay, I have not seen Kong Skull really? Island. I actually really love that. I'm movie. sure it's fun. Yeah. I heard that it was really fun. fun. It was really fun. Um, so now we've got this movie, mm-hmm. and it's. Godzilla, King of All Monsters. Yeah, King of Monsters, and it's supposed to be this this freaking WrestleMania like <laughs> Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble of just <laughs> monsters, and that's what we felt like going into the, with the trailers. Um, I think the best way to defend having not received that in this film uh-huh. was we got a lot of human stories. Yes, a lot of human stories because maybe the message is that we're the monsters. <laughs> Literally, I'm trying, Diallo. You're a monster. There was that line was uttered in the movie. That utter that movie that line was uttered. Yeah, from a daughter to a mother. Daughter, in this movie, you are a monster. Just for those in the back of the theater who maybe weren't paying attention to the metaphors and the illusions going on. I mean, just the. The things that were being alluded to throughout the film. Well, that that actually might have been for me 
because I didn't understand what was going on with the human family at all. Like, like I literally was like, wait a minute. Like, why is she doing this? What are they doing? But it all, every, like, and and it kind of was the same with the first God, the remake of Godzilla. It kind of, like, this one had more monster action in it because the first movie felt like uh like that (laughs) scene in jurassic park when uh am malcolm says are there any dinosaurs on this dinosaur ride yeah yeah uh so in this movie and the first movie i like the set pieces in the first one yeah and the first get the set pieces i like the set pieces. yeah but it was like got like it it felt like we were an hour in before godzilla even like showed up i i just going off of my memory but this movie, they they definitely like get to it sooner. Mm-hmm. But still, this time it was like twenty minutes. I feel twenty thirty minutes before the monster stuff really kicked in. Um, but I just yeah, I just didn't really understand. Uh, I I didn't understand the family dynamic. I didn't understand what the mom was doing. I and I understand that there was like a twist coming in here and there. Yeah, and in, in Geekscape, it's like I don't want to spoil the movie for you guys because it did just come out. The truth is, um, the the movie does have a lot. If you go to see the movie, like expect there to be a lot of human drama, and some of the human drama starts to serve the set pieces towards the end of the movie. And because the set pieces have to be big, they have to be monster based. They have to be destruction based. They, uh, you got to see these monsters start to fight. Mainly Godzilla and King King Ghidorah. Sorry, Uh, you want to see these monsters fight, and to set those up, you also want to see them destroy cities. (laughs) So some things start to not make sense. Like uh, there is a uh, an agency from the first movie that has been monitoring these titans that are now a a part of the set uh, of the setup for this film. There's an agency that has been monitoring these titans. And mainly remote areas. Yeah. And these titans start to get released. They start to fight. They start to follow an alpha. King Ghidorah is the alpha in this one. And Godzilla is the only thing that can stop King Ghidorah. Right. Um, So you're setting up for this giant battle at the end. I wanted to see more matches if you if this is a wrestling event if this is a boxing match right. uh, event i want to see i wanted to see a lot more undercard battles yeah right there were not a lot of undercard battles yeah there weren't a lot of undercards mm-hmm. it felt like king of the monster watered itself down to four monsters and some ancillary monsters you don't really see much of yeah uh meanwhile the humans are swallowing up a ton of screen time a ton of screen time um, more than i more than they probably needed to and uh and and some of the uh some of the stuff starts making sense pretty rapidly yeah but i like again like i and i've been i, I have to actively do this because I've seen so many things, and I've studied so many things. I've read so many <laughs> and things. We've seen that, a lot of Godzilla yeah, movies, and I've seen a lot. Of, so I just I and but that's also partly why I do this is so I have to like always tap back into my child brain when well, I'm you know like I carried I, an egg around for two weeks. <laughs> oh, I do know that. My therapist had me carry an yeah, egg around. Yeah, I did. I did. I carried an, a raw egg around with a, I, I drew a face yeah, on it yeah. for two weeks. For two I carried weeks. an egg around yeah. to represent my inner child. Yeah, and I took it to see John Wick. Oh, did you? Yeah, that, it scarred the shit out of me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My inner side child's a hyper violence. He left scrambled. <laughs> yeah, well, the grown up scrambled. So <laughs> I put him on the road. But yeah, just like I, I had to like remember, like before, before I get to, this, this can't be, sense, yeah, I had to remember, literally remember, you know, when I'm six, seven, eight, nine, ten, watching Godzilla movies on a Saturday afternoon. Many of which are bad. And they're bad. Yeah, and, they, and I have to remember that. Like, they were bad. And, like, but I still, like, I was just there for the man in the suit to fight the other monsters. And, and like, there wasn't a lot of time that they actually were on screen then either. Right. And so... And it's not to not to excuse this movie, but it kind of takes the edge off a little bit. Yes, um, I'm okay with with a lot of human elements being in a film. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to be. Uh, I want them to feel less. Um, there were parts that felt um, obligatory, mm-hmm. like we have to have the sacrifice. We have to have this moment. We have to do this. Um, when I, I think you guys would have just won me over with. Throwing like furiously throwing a football up the field mm-hmm. and having a lot of different set pieces globally, yeah, and small, you know, because we really are following 
a, a, a few, you know a cast of characters through a global journey, uh, mainly following Ghidorah or King or uh, Godzilla, mm-hmm. and um, and it, it, I get it. They're trying to stop the bad guys. There are bad guys. There are human bad guys in this movie. I get it, but I think that there's another version of this movie that is almost episodic in nature mm-hmm. where you get to see those all those different undercard battles mm-hmm. and the human elements that they're affecting in there yeah and there's not a very good through line so i know that, that movie i know how that movie i know why that movie it does not exist there's not really an axe spot there's not a spine for that movie well part but of it i some of it would have really been but I feel that part of it is the the choice that they made with Eleven, which is um, Haley Bobby Brown, the, the girl from yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah. The choice that they made with her character and how she uh, was involved in everything, I think for me that's actually where it veers because like it could have it could have actually been more it should have been more cheesy. I don't it doesn't right, sound like right. it doesn't sound. Like that's the choice to make, but they actually should have made it more cheesy. Uh, it's like going towards the old school camp, or yeah, like, like, not like, like it? not camp, but like she should have been more active in, um, you know, there there's a little MacGuffin device, and she should have been more active with that. I feel like with the entire mm-hmm. film and been in control of that, and then um, I feel like the movie would have felt more authentic in how it how everything rolled out and then you could have had those battles and had a little bit more of like a good or evil because at this point we we already had the the gray who is Godzilla what is he like what is Is he he doing is he good or is he bad yeah we did that in the first movie so I feel like now you progress and it should be a little bit more like, yeah, he's on our side, and here's what we're doing. And he helps kids. Yeah, and he helps. I mean, like, literally. I'd love to make a Gamera film, because yeah. he unabashedly yes. is the champion to children. Yeah, like, literally. And like, and those and, and those are some of those. That's one of those elements from, you know, like, from those uh, the giant robots and kaiju. It's like, you know, Johnny Sacco's one of my favorites when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Um, you know, the, the, the Iron Giant, that, that idea of the kid with and Bumblebee did yeah. it very well. Yeah, yeah. That, so I loved this last Bumblebee. Yeah, film. yeah. And that's that's why, like, that's kind of what we want to see. And they they sometimes I feel like screenwriters today are trying to be a little bit too clever, right? <laughs> and because like, there's the whole idea, of, like, there's uh, you know the tropes. Everybody talks about these tropes, and so I think everybody's hyper aware about all of these things. They want to not be cliche, so they go out of their way to 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 tell a story a different way, but they don't know that it's necessarily working. I give you props for trying, though, but um, I actually feel like that's one of, that was one of the problems with you know back to Game of Thrones. I feel like in some ways they were trying to subvert expectations, but that ended up just being shocking without actually. Mm-hmm having a theme agreed yeah but um anyways so i think like you just do give me give me the kid in control <laughs> of the of the monster of the giant and then have them fighting on our side and i like we're really just there to see at the end of the day well, just to see monsters punching each other well to, to just touch on game of thrones for a bit mm-hmm. without spoiling too much the ending um for those of you who have not seen game of thrones is is I think that there was a screen time economy issue at the end when only having a shortened season when mm-hmm. it, reportedly HBO has said we want this thing to go as long as possible because yeah. it is a cash yeah, cow for money. us. Yeah, it money. It makes money. Um, and the, the showrunners not they wanting, just, they they wanted wanted to, they they wanted, wanted to go. They don't want to get out. we got to make that, gotta make that Star but, Wars money. But we see successful shows being passed on to other showrunners. Yeah. And I think that this would have been an okay opportunity. It would have been. It would have been perfect to say, to just "Hey, give it a different." We got a couple of rock stars in the writer room, yeah. or we got some rock star showrunners. Yeah, they're going to carry on Game of Thrones. We'll move on to Star Wars. We'll continue as producers or whatever. Yeah, but we'll continue with the long seasons. We'll continue with some of the story threads that weren't satisfied in that last season. Mm-hmm. It was super. It felt truncated. Yeah, it felt. It was aggressive, mm-hmm. and I think people who uh, were left unsatisfied, I think that there's a justification for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a part of me that really enjoyed Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. They were the, the monsters. They were the giant set pieces. They were the destructions. Um, the problems I run into when trying to create a, a lot of realistic dynamics and realistic human characters is... 
the level of destruction that happens in these films, yeah. when you're that enveloped in the human mm. stories, mm-hmm. it's hard to disconnect that and then just accept the level of death, yeah. devastation that's <laughs> yeah. going on here. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, wait, like you want us to, to invest in the human characters beyond some of them just not working as consistently as you'd like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and, and being unclear in a lot of ways. Um, when you start to see the level of devastation being implemented onto humans, mm-hmm. like entire cities, be, major cities being major wiped, cities wiped off the, yeah. the planet. Um, people being flown away. Oh, like you, you see it. You see people getting yeah. flown away. You see people getting swallowed. You see people getting stepped on. You see, yeah. you know, you're... A bit like just vaporize. Some people are hearing this and going, "Ooh, I can't wait to see and, this." And you know what? You should. You should. <laughs> but, but, but the way that they treat the human characters challenges you to take them more seriously. And in that seriousness, which kind of goes with what you're saying, in that seriousness, you end up not being able to separate the two. Yeah. And all you see is human devastation. Yeah. Which can work if you're making a horror movie. And Mike Doherty's, I think he's so talented. Yeah. Like, the horror stuff he's done yeah. is really great. I, feel, I like Krampus. Mm-hmm. I, you gotta love Trick or Treat. Yeah, Trick or Treat's the shit. I like. Well, I like one of the, one of the stories. Okay, couple, couple I of love stories. Trick or Treat. Right. So, yeah. but I think Mike Doherty is who I think we've interviewed on a press line somewhere. So talented, mm-hmm. so awesome. And but you start, you know, who knows what the committee looked like on this? Who knows what what what's going on? Yeah. But, um, not a movie that I hated. Mm-hmm. Not, but a movie that I wish I'd loved more. Is Godzilla King of the Monsters? There's a there's something about it that also it kind of feels a little bit like um, some of the criticism I hear about uh, Man of Steel and um, Batman v Superman, where that was it was literally visually so dark yeah. um, that it actually so you know and especially in I think both of those movies when you see the destruction, uh, you the human element like got driven home more mm-hmm. uh, and I so I and I, that's why I do think like it needs to be a little bit more cheesy a little bit more light because uh, I remember uh, like the, Bumblebee yeah yeah and, like and, Bumblebee and, and guys cheesy is probably not the word cheesy sounds like a negative yeah it sounds like I, I think what we're looking for I, we may not have the word maybe you have the word Geekscapist feel free to leave it on our Facebook or on our Twitter and and throw it at us on the uh, Geekscape Forever Instagram wherever you want to talk to us but um there's a word for it, and it's fun. Yeah, lighter, brighter. I think I think Bumblebee nailed more breezy. it. Breezy. Yeah, I just, love you, that. Bumblebee. You gotta just get like that. I don't know. Just like for me, I'm just like remembering. I just remember like, as a kid. I, that's a, that's what I always like look to tap into. It's just mm. like I just want to remember what it was like when I watched something as a kid, and I just I just loved loved whatever I saw to death, right. and and I wasn't spending a lot of time. Like on the the critical side of things, um, that brings us back to Diallo's book. I want all of you, especially if you have Amazon Prime, just go and download it and get the guy a boost up on those Amazon charts. Yeah, it's on um, Comicsology also, but we're uh, Amazon Prime is where we're focusing. Um, yeah, we're focusing on. It okay, right so get, get on your Amazon Prime, get on your Amazon, and pick up a copy of Angel in the Dark. This is a comic book that you presented to me last year at Comic Con. Diallo will be back at San Diego Comic Con this summer. I at the Geekscape booth. What? What? We'll talk about later. Uh, you, you might not be. You <laughs> yeah, might. I might. I might not be there. We'll. We're gonna. We're gonna see what's up. If you okay, Geekscape. I just like doing that. I like putting him on the spot. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I'm like, wait a minute. I wait, like I putting. I like putting him on the spot, Geekscape. <laughs> okay, so if Diallo's, uh, if, if Diallo's at at San Diego Comic Con, he's gonna be coming down and he's gonna be presenting the the book at our booth for at least an hour. Yeah. And being a part of it, but it sounds from from where his head's shaking right now in our <laughs> audible medium, our audio medium, that San Diego may not be in the cards for him. We we can work something out, but except we're, we're I'm just gonna miss you, man. Yeah. Like, if I have a resource and you're my friend, I want to yeah. help you. No, I definitely. It's a I, you know, Comic Con's a crazy place, and uh, we we just I thought that it was it was a little bit better right now to put my resources in other things and um, than to actually be there when it's kind of a one-man show for me um but yes agreed um, but what i'm telling you is that if you just come down for a day yeah and just come down for a few hours it's not a one-man show yes we'll do a booth yeah i like i said i'm definitely i definitely open to it but if you're like on vacation oh no yeah shooting one of your films i do have a uh uh, i do have a iron man 
the half Ironman a couple weeks after that. So I've got my 50K the weekend before. That is crazy. Because San Diego Comic-Con is the most tiring week of my entire year. Yeah. I was like, oh, it starts on the 16th? I'll run 31 miles in Julian, San Diego, in, in the in East the, San Diego in East County. San Diego, in the mountains. In July, it's going to be like 190 <laughs> degrees. It's going to be dead. In the fucking mountains. And then you're going you're to be limping around for four days in, in Comic Con. So I was like, why not just throw this one on there? Yeah. I've done San, I'm a veteran of San Diego now. Why not cripple myself before I even show up? Yeah. So well, you have at least you have an excuse to just sit, sit in your booth all day. I have day. an excuse not to run every morning. Yeah. So Geekscapist, if you come by the booth, massage my feet. That is what I offer you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's Don't tribute. fucking do that. That's gross. Um, but Geekscapist, if I'm tired, let's take a very tired photo together. Um, I think I think I'm trying to get San Diego to kill me this year. I'm like, I'm gonna show up. I mean, race, listen, it's we're all gonna go at some point, anyways. You might as well go out like the happiest place. <laughs> the, way, that, yeah. the way that you, you know, the way let's you go. Are. Yeah, let's, let's go, baby. Finish me. <laughs> Um, again, guys, Angela in the Dark, I want you all to hit the little click button on the Amazon and go and pick it up. Um, thanks, dude, for coming on Geekscape. Oh, thank you for like, awesome. having me. Really appreciate dude, it. I love talking. When you when you sent me a message and were like, hey, man, I was like, yo, you're coming on the show. Yeah. Have you not? You've, maybe you've been on the but damn, we've been doing this too long, Geekscape, yeah. so I don't remember. I haven't been on the show, but it's, uh, you know. Well, you're coming back. Yeah. So, Geekscapists. <clears throat> The other thing you can do is follow Diallo on all of those social medias. You got the Twitter. He's on Instagram. Not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. Twitter. evil, right? I'm banned on Twitter. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, we haven't talked about this. (laughs) Yeah, I got banned from Twitter. Why? Uh, (laughs) So I have a friend. We were going to talk about this Well, the battery might run out is my problem, but you have a friend. Okay. I have a friend, and, you know, we were just, like, kind of going back and forth about stuff his friends do, and I was just joking to him, and then I wrote, I will throat punch you. And they flagged that, and delete like and ban my account like no no questions <laughs> hey, no escapist do not post that on twitter do not see you're gonna throw somebody else so punch you can follow me on instagram and i have a, a facebook fan page all right so i'm gonna we're gonna take a photo i'm gonna tag him on that photo geekscapist you can find us geekscape.net instagram twitter facebook just look for geekscape join us be part of the conversation and I'll be back next week with a brand new uh, episode of Geekscape. And we're probably going to talk some Dark Phoenix in a Dark Phoenix special. So say goodbye to the Fox uh, era of the X-Men universe. So uh, I'll be sitting down with Ian Kerner for that one. Jason Inman is my guest on the next Geekscape. Geekscape for freaking ever, Geekscape. As I'm here if you're here. Thank you. Tell your friends to subscribe. Leave us a review. It really helps our visibility as well. And over and out. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.